Well, my limited perspective is broadening, folks. Listen to my chat with Liam Park. We sat in a bustling coffee shop, so we have a little ambient sound. Who cares? It adds to the flavor of the podcast. Later that night, Liam sang a couple songs for us at Open Mic, as he does most Mondays. He talks about baseball, financial planning, songwriters, and so much more. Listen up, people. How you been? It's been great. How you been? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. There's a lot to talk to you about because you're a man of many, many hats. But I want to jump right in and ask you about the best of unknown Athens before I lose track with all my uh, 25 other questions. <laughs> so fill me in on that. Uh, where are we with the show? Or where yeah, I mean, I remember I participated. I think I was involved in the first one when you started at, at Buffalo's, a smaller March crowd. 2015. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Amazing. Two and a half years. Almost. And then I did another one at the Georgia Theater, and I, uh, I'll have to come back uh, some other time and redeem myself because I'm not pleased with my performance. <laughs> I'm a fan. Oh, well, thank you. you know, I appreciate it. You know that. But, um, so it sounds like you've had, what, over 200 performers since then? Well, well 120. 120, 120, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, which is a lot of people. Sure, I mean, sure. The people outside of Athens may not realize that virtually all these people are from Athens or have a direct connection to Athens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. They're, yeah, they're, they're like, I think the thing I... It's like, the, what, three hours or, or right in town or... You know, well, we, we, you know, a few people have been here in town at one point, and uh-huh. let people like Ralph Roddenberry, who are now in Atlanta, but you know, the, basically his heart is here in Athens, and yeah. other people yeah. like that. You know, and, and a lot of people do relocate to to Atlanta or they go elsewhere. Yeah, but we still have a ton of people here that are very, very talented songwriters. And my mission is to open this to the world, uh, let them know that we have the songs. Yeah, yeah. So, like, where's the beef? We have the beef. And there's a new crop of, of songwriters, like, every year they, you know, they show It's up. incredible. It's like uh, we clone them. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, it, uh, let's see, you're going to... Have you started a radio show? Is that right? Uh, we have an agreement with Public Radio through the uh, local affiliate WGAFM. Uh, 91.7, 97.9, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, we will be a weekly 59-minute show, so we are in the process of editing right now. Uh, we have about half a season already taped. So we just need to, uh, we're working on uh, a theme song, uh, an intro song. We've got the uh, announcer lined up for the show, a professional announcer to do the beginning and ending, uh, and also to uh, do the midpoint break, but just uh, happens to be a first cousin of mine. His name is Michael C. Gwynn, and he's a well-known actor. What's his name again? Michael C. Gwynn. And he has the world's greatest voice. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> he really. I don't know if he can sing or not, but he's got a great talking voice. Oh, that matters. That he matters. probably can sing. I need to ask him. You've got a good talking voice, too. Not like not him. Right not like him. Thank you. you got a little shy when you saw the camera and the microphone. I didn't expect that. I just, uh, I should have known you had something up your sleeve. <laughs> well, I think, you know, um, 
Let's see. Well, I, I look forward to seeing how Best of Unknown Athens goes. Um, but uh, tell me about, about a little bit about your history and how you ended up in Athens, Georgia. Uh, I think it was I-85 all the way from Charlotte, you know. But I ended up here with an ex-wife, and she's gone. I'm still here, 32 years later. Came here in 1985. Didn't step foot in a bar other than Steve Barino's for the sandwiches uh, with my kids in 28 years. What's that now? Didn't step foot in a barn for a bar for 28 years. Wow! Until impressive. I started playing music in this town. Yeah. And uh, music was always my first love, and I was a songwriter as a youngster. You know. Yeah, yeah. Trying to write a hit song, you know. Exactly. exactly. Make a long story short, I did that for about five years. Got married, left it all behind. Had a career in financial planning. Had a career in in the movie business. Uh, had a career in baseball. Let's pick one. Let's see. You started uh, your earliest started, uh, efforts. I was the song. first was the songwriter thing. Songwriter was as a teenager until okay. I was about 22. Mm-hmm. And I was with a little company called Solid Hitbound Productions, which was owned by Joe Beck Music Company, which was owned in turn by Motown Records. Oh, and, and where were they located? Where are those? In Hitsville, USA, Detroit, Michigan. Ah, awesome. Okay. And uh, I, I just would hang around and, you know, we have a song and they come in put a hundred dollar bill on the table say okay raise your hands who's involved in this song and, you know we raise our hands and split the money ah. okay. and living at home that was a lot of money sure. 30 40 dollars at a time you know especially you know no expenses in the 70s, or in the the 70s. Yeah. probably like a couple hundred dollars today you know just so let's see what year did you leave canada uh, well, that's a long story, but uh, basically, uh, I moved south in 1977. Okay. I was living in Albany, New York from 74 to 77, where my ex was in graduate school, and uh-huh. I went back to college to get my degrees. Right, right. And we spent four years there, and then we were supposed to go back home, and she talked me into going to North Carolina. So then we went to North Carolina. At, the, at that point, I was a certified financial planner. In fact, the, the first one in the state of New York who was also a chartered life underwriter. So I had, I've got five pre- professional designations that cover finance and insurance and actuarial science. And right. are you, uh, uh, what uh, career are you practicing right now? I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of trying to balance several. <laughs> to mix I think I'm a radio host. Uh-huh. Got a show, a live show, right. three-hour show once a month at the Foundry. Right, right. Uh, Best of London, Athens. Best of Unknown Athens, and then uh, also uh, sort of dabbling with three bands. Couple, you know, I've, right, I've got Repent bands. at Leisure, the Irish band, nine-piece Irish band. Right, right. And then I've got uh, O'Connell and Park, my relatively new band, which uh-huh. is uh, with Tim O'Connell, and we're we're basically uh, folk singers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. He's Dude, good. Tim right, is right. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best guy I've ever played with. Just, yeah. just incredible. Uh, song. We're, we're writing all originals. We're playing no covers. We're, we're doing three-hour shows at all originals. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we've played above maybe seven or eight gigs already in the two months we've been together. Awesome. Awesome. Practicing once a week, you know. It's less complicated when there's just two rather than Much, nine. you know, I, I'm figuring that out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love my Irish band, but it's a lot of people. So, uh, which... Uh, Dan Everett 
comes to mind. How's he doing? I heard he. he yeah, Dan was in a, a bad bike accident, and he's recovering. He's home now, and they tell him another two or three weeks he'll be able to start playing the guitar again. But he messed his shoulder up real badly, a broken collarbone, Crap. Um, crushed eye socket. You know, just he, he was. And they don't know what happened. Dan doesn't know what happened. Just a, well, he was riding, weird, his, just bike, riding his bike, right. and apparently somebody rode him off the side of the road. Yeah, somebody. No. I imagine it doesn't take much if a car. No. And, uh, and, and, and Dan's just a terrific guy. Yeah, yeah he's. A we, we've missed him, but it's go. It's going on about a month now since the accident. So. Okay. You guys able to perform without? Oh him yeah, or? yeah. But we we perform anywhere from four to nine people, depending okay. on Whoever depending on who up. can show <laughs> up, <laughs> and uh, depending on uh, the set list. Uh-huh. Sometimes, you know, with certain songs, it's for the full band. Other songs are just for the diet version of the band. The diet. <laughs> the diet. <laughs> Less filling. Uh, check. Yeah, I did that out. Uh, let's see. So, O'Connell Park, Repentant Leisure. And there's something I do some solo stuff you know I mean I've, I've right, played a few I, solo things right I, of course through the Hendershots open mic all the time see you almost every which is Monday. where we always see each other you know <laughs> but uh, you know the, the real thing I'm I'm focusing on even though it hasn't taken center stage yet is my film project the uh, which is called Blackbeat and, right. and it's it's the story of the first couple of black cops in Athens Georgia and how they have virtually no power. Uh, they can't give a ticket to a white person, and, and they end up basically helping solve a civil rights murder that uh, was one of the most infamous things that's ever happened in our town, the death of Lemuel Penn, the uh, soldier who was mur- oh, right. murdered yeah, by the Klan. that story, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're set to go on so that, you, basically. You, what, what, let's, see, what, let's see, what years was that? That was... Uh, 1964. Yeah, that was the year I was born. So you don't remember... No, I only know that through through history and stories and, and uh, learning about it after. Which, uh, well, it was a different world then. Definitely, and, yeah. you know. So how did so how did you uh, get compile the historical information and put this story? together? Well, you know, I've, I've made several other films. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I've written several. And I've got probably as many as a half a dozen projects in development if I were to get off my arse and do something about right, it. Right, right. Uh, well, I, I mean, from my estimation, you're off your arse. I stay pretty you busy. Just, I, I do stay busy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I want to do this film. It's, it touches my heart. Right, right. Uh, it's a true story that a lot of people don't know about. They've heard of it, uh-huh. but they don't really know the whole thing. And of course, uh, you know, we compiled information from newspaper clippings, from interviews. I had lived in Madison County, which is right north of Athens, yeah. for about 15 years before I started writing this story. Okay. And all the doors were pretty much closed to me. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Right. And so I, I met with the court uh, stenographer. I met with uh, people that were on the jury. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I was there 15 years. I'm not an outsider. I, yeah, I lived yeah. in that county. And yeah. I started asking questions. And 
I came home one day, and again, I hadn't started writing yet. I was just gathering information. I came home, and my automatic light didn't go on. So I wondered what the hell that was all about. So I sort of feel my way. I live in the middle of a hardwood forest, and it's dark at nighttime in there. So I feel, you can see the moon. That's about what you can see. So I feel, my, it was a harvest moon. I'm feeling my way up to my front door, and I touch something that's sticky and warm and ooey on my doorknob. I had a half-moon doorknob. And it just about really shook me, shook me up. Right. So I had a little, small, little itty bitty flashlight that was not really working too well, but was enough that I could see by pressing that little itty bitty thing. Somebody had decapitated a snake and tied it on my half moon doorknob. Oh, then funny. I put my lights up at the, my outside lights on the porch, and it looked like they had been beaten with a baseball bat, and there was no lights that worked anymore. So after that happened, I must have touched a nerve somewhere, mm-hmm. and I said, now I have to do it. Right, right. So I started writing it the next day. Oh, boy. So writing it the next day. So th- this is, uh, the first time around was about 2000, year 2000, and I almost made the project. Uh-huh. But I was up to my ears with baseball. Uh-huh. And, you know, I ran a baseball team in this town for 20 years called the Athens Pirates, Athens Pirates College Summer Baseball okay. Team. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we still have a half dozen or so players who played for the local team in Athens who are in the major leagues and play for major league teams like Jabari Blash with the San Diego Padres, people like that. And I just played for a local Athens team. But it was the best type of baseball outside of the Olympics. And anyway, I did that for almost 20 years. Yeah, and I decided, well, I need to write, I need to finish up on this story. First time around, 2000, I had Kenny Leon, the former artistic director of the uh, Alliance Theater, who had never directed a film before, ah, okay. very well known, yeah, yeah. Uh, wanting to do, wanting to direct this film. Mm-hmm. Kenny's like in like Flint with people like Samuel Jackson and uh, Felicia uh-huh. Rashad and Bill Nunn, who just died. Uh, I believe he just died. Uh, people like that, just some of the best actors, Fimo Omalami, Elizabeth Omalami out of uh, Athens, they were all on board with this project. And I just went through divorce and went into my shell. Slowed you down. Focus, yeah, yeah, focus solely down. on baseball. Uh-huh. And baseball was, you know, my kids were being taken away from me. I had an ex-wife that was angry. Yeah. Take a long story short. Yeah, baseball nice. occupied my time. I get you keep and then it, escaping yeah. and then in the sixties writing the story, I was back in the sixties. Uh-huh. I wrote another uh, piece called uh, Three Strike Out, which is a baseball drama. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then another one uh, well, there's several that uh, came out of that period of time and uh, I've got, I've got an inventory if I ever decide to really jump back in the film business uh, full time. Let me get back get uh, things in perspective here, though. When did you start uh, researching for the uh, Black Beat? 1998, 1999. I see. So people are still not, not wanting to talk about it. In, uh, they were still, night. yeah, a lot of them were still alive. And, uh-huh. you know, it was still a, a black eye for the county I live in. Because it was a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, a terrible it's a, thing. It's either very painful or very embarrassing, or just uh, better keep people ignorant. Now, you know, of, you know, 
I mean, people know about the death of, a, of this person, Emil Penn. They just don't know all the background. They don't know what an eminent person he was and had a very important job in Washington, D.C. And he was basically the head of adult education. Well, I brought some just for you to look at. I mean, I don't show that. This is the binder I put together for, for raising money for uh, sponsorship. To use it to spark uh, information to, to tell me about because we're going to record for another freaking half hour. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And well, you know, listen. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm personally not a baseball person, but I know there's a huge interest in it, and I have. I have baseball uh, friends and enthusiasts. So, well, I started the baseball it, thing because yeah, uh, Georgia the, came to me, and uh -huh. Steve Weber was the coach over there then, and they had, uh, had a really good team that year. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Several kids were going to have to go to summer school, and, and someone knew of my interest in baseball. And uh -huh. I had done some scouting once upon a time. And uh, they said, why don't you organize a team? And we had already organized an adult baseball league in town here with Gerald okay. Decker. Uh -huh. And uh, it just it was a natural thing to go to the next step would be to have a college-only team. But describe how that uh, gratifies you because I'm not, you know, I'm well, like... See, nobody would hire me as a baseball coach, so I started my own team. So, uh, I see. So, you know, <laughs> and it's sort of like, I've, I've always done, no one hired me to uh, be a film producer and director, so I right. wrote my own screenplay. Same here. No one's asked me you know? to interview anybody. And, and uh, so you just go yeah, ahead and so do it, you know? There you go, yeah. That's you're, right. You're, you're, pod, you're uh, officially podcast number two. Wow. So, wow. So somebody beat me out number one. Eh? Well, Seth Hendershot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that sounds like, you know, there's, once I, once I start talking to someone, I realize, I can't, we could go on for hours. There's, there's a lot, to, once you open the book, there's a lot to read, you know, there's, you know. When I first came here, this is the, well, this, this was an article in Charlotte Magazine they did on me before I left Charlotte. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. Sir. Before I left Charlotte. But you, am I right, you had red hair uh, when you were a young Blondish. Blondish. Blondish okay. Auburn highlights. Right. And that black and white. But when I came, when I came here, I mean, I was adjunct faculty at the College for Financial Planning, uh -huh. which is... Uh, the, the the basically the school that started you, financial planning. Did you go to college? Yeah. What did you major in? in uh, business, business, finance, insurance. That was you know, really and that combined. Was, okay. This is what you know. You, you probably don't remember Classic City Live. This was a local magazine. Uh, I've heard of it. And um, at the time, those guys. What's that? Those people on the cover. Yeah. No. No. I. I'm the. What is this? Does it say my name on there or something? Producer yeah. Bill Park. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. There I am. And uh, people, when I came to Athens, no, nobody knew what Liam was. So, so okay, I used to tell people, just call me Bill. Billy was my nickname. Yeah, that, yeah well, it was Liam. They would call me Liam or yeah. Lem. Yeah. Lem. Hey, Lem. Because you I, can't look at that. Well, you can't I look hated at that. I hated it. You know, so anyway, and so I, I come to town. They do a nice feature article about me. I mean, Charlotte doesn't. Uh, we, uh, we, I did the first sports drama for ESPN. Uh, so all of this stuff. Uh, you know, this a few. These are just a couple other films I did. That just uh, the, the publicity that came through. Giant notebook full of stuff. And these are just a few. What's that? Giant notebook full of Liam Park stuff. And, you know, of course, we've got the website for Best of Unknown Athens, and it's just copies of that. Okay. And uh, some of the other shows that we're going to be basically comparing ourselves to, like E-Town uh -huh. or uh, Mountain Stage. Mountain Stage right. uh, 
even in Austin city limits. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, let's see. It's yeah. Friday. All right, right. You know, Saturday we think we're going to jump in and take that void. You know, yeah, if yeah. I want to do a weekly show, take I don't know if I can do. Or take the, I don't know. They're not going to pay me what they paid Rob Holmes. I'm sure, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. But you, you know, you put. But this is the letter of intent from uh, Chris Shoup at University of Georgia. Okay. About you know uh, Georgia through the uh, business program, the, the um, music business program, is providing us with interns who will do the editing. Will help us with camera work. We'll do right. some of the right. other production work that whatever we need them to do, yeah. and uh, you know somebody will be coordinating that uh, on our team. Could be you. Could be somebody wants to mm -hmm. wants to make this happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I, I really believe the show has gotten to the point where it's it's good enough to to sure, attract sure. a wide audience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, it, if you know, you know, I was there. Basically participated two years ago, and it was it was pretty good then. So if you we've grown, up, we've yeah, we've grown, and we've, we're better. We're we're a lot better, and the, the performers are incredible. And yeah. I've learned how to be a host. Mm -hmm. uh, I really had never hosted anything before. That's so. kind of a delicate uh, operation. It's a hard thing to be. You you, you want to elicit uh, comments and elicit yeah. the participation from the songwriters, mm -hmm. but you don't want to take over the show. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, it's a tough thing. Not yeah. easy as it looks. I noticed and, from when I was listening back to my interview with Seth, like Seth would say something and I'm like sitting there going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I ask him a question or I say things that indicate that I hadn't actually listened to what he said, you know. But that it's easy it's like, to do. Yeah, it's really <laughs> And uh, you saw the article in Southern Distinction, right? Fif no. 15 pages. Oh, yes, I did see that. Yeah. 15 pages, man. Emily? Yeah, that's Emily. Emily's going to play tonight. Yeah. Well, this is where I get my prospects from Hendershot. Yeah, no, I watch you do it. I watch you, know, you come you here and recruit yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, really, I spread <laughs> a little fertilizer around. And That's why. Yeah, watch you it grow. I'll be, I'll be like running the show, and Liam will sneak over and go like, "Hey, what's what's his name? What's his, what's his name? You know, who's that? What's her name?" And then five minutes later, you're talking to him. There's so much talent. Them there's there's yeah. so much talent, and and almost every single person is good. Has something about what they're doing that other people will like. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's exciting to me because I I just I was in Detroit. Okay, mm -hmm. all the Motown stuff. I mean, you, you're familiar with the Motown stuff. I mean, it was yeah, Dan, Diana yeah. Ross and the Supremes. It was, sure, sure. It was the Four Tops, the uh -huh. Temptations, uh -huh. uh, the Contours, on and on. Marvin Gaye, uh, Mar Martha and the Vandellas, Gladys Knight and the Pips, just on and on. Then there was this whole white movement there, uh -huh. Grand Funk Railroad. In Detroit, also. Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dudes. Oh, yeah. and Bob uh, Seeger and the Last Herd. That's the MC5. The MC5, Motor City 5. Yeah. One of those guys, Dennis, Thomas was, Dennis Thompson, was on my Little League team. Really? <laughs> I was the pitcher, he was the catcher. Uh, so, what, was he, what was his role in the band? What did he. Uh, it's a drummer. Drummer? Yeah, drummer. Rob Tyner's coming to, no, uh, Wayne Kramer's coming to town pretty soon here. One of the founding members of the uh, MC5. Going to be at the office on uh, August 5th, I believe, to raise money for soldiers. Cool. Is he, was he the, uh, the singer's passed on, hasn't he? Yeah, Wayne, uh, Wayne was the lead guitarist, I believe. Okay. Uh, 
and vocalist, but uh, Rob Tyner was the lead vocalist. But, I mean, on, I could tell you other amazing, you know, uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'm just was, on. Was Alice Cooper on your little late team? Was that? Was Alice Cooper on your little late team? No, 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 no. But, uh, you know, anyway, I got involved with those guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And other bands like Chicago would come and live. CTA, Chicago Transit Authority. They would live in Detroit for months on the end. Wait, wait, uh, wait, was that a, that's a... The group Chicago. Their original name was Chicago Transit Authority. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, I CTA. Was another band. Okay, you know, that was them. Yeah, no, Chicago got huge. They're, and they're uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Al Cooper. They're from Detroit. Not Alice Cooper, but Al Cooper. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Another uh, great band. Mike Butterfield. Uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing stuff. Just, just really, really unbelievable talent in Detroit. <laughs> but Athens has more songwriter talent than any place I've ever lived. Really? I've lived in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I'm from southern Ontario, Toronto. Tell me a little bit about... Been your, to Vancouver. Tell me a little about your beginnings all the way up to, say, Little League, where you met the drummer for MC5. My beginnings? Well, you know. That's, a, that's a good Chicago song. Yeah. That's a good Chicago No, I, uh, I come from a... Uh, a family of entertainers. Okay. My mom and dad were dancers. Okay. They could have been another Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. They were, my mom was the best there was. Uh-huh. She, uh-huh. she never had a lesson in her life. She could dance any style of dance and looked like she was an absolute pro. Okay. My dad was a fast dancer. Would, yeah. From ballroom dancing to the whole dance floor. But see, my Uncle Frank was Frankie K who had a 17-piece big band at the uh-huh. Royal York Hotel for 30 years in Toronto. Uh-huh. Every time the Prime Minister of England, the, the Queen, <laughs> that they came to Canada, his band would always play. Cool. And when the band played, my mom and dad would dance. Awesome. Okay. So that's, I've got, you know, I mentioned Michael C. Gwynn earlier. Michael's made at least 50, maybe 60 films where he's been uh, credited with one of the top five actors in the film uh-huh. on, the, on the credit list. Another cousin of mine, Phil McKinney, was well-known for doing uh, science fiction stuff. But we, we actually have a company called First Cousins Film Corporation. Four first cousins, including myself, right. all by different parents. Four uh, first cousins. Amazing. Are you, are you uh, still in... Could you get back together with them and... Well, my cousin Bob, Bob, Bob Knuckle, is one of Canada's foremost playwrights. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he's won a Dora Award for acting uh, as Vince Lombardi in the production I did called Lombardi, I'm Not a Lesson. Uh-huh. Um, Bob Knuckle's a tremendous actor. Incredible. He's as good an actor as my other cousin Mike, who made a career living in Hollywood for 30 years. But uh, Bob was a football coach as his primary job, and that's why he was... You know, able to write the Lombardi set with Gord Carruth, another former coach uh, partnership with Bob. But uh, but I have a lot of family members that are poets, uh, just do kind of entertainment. And, and a few years ago, I went home to visit uh, uh, my cousins in Windsor, and uh, how I got back into mu- in Wait, music. Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. Okay. I. I uh, was having lunch with a cousin of mine, Gary Gary Knuckle, and Gary plays the spoons in an Irish band. Uh-huh. And I said, "Teach me! I want to know how." So he taught me the spoons. We were playing together. Mm-hmm. I went home and started playing spoons in the rafters of the old melting point on the first St. Patrick's Day thing I uh-huh. went to with my spoon. Amazing. Okay. And. Uh, Get a good sound from the spoons. Well, uh, and make a long story short, one of the bartenders, Jeff, 
heard me playing, and he started feeding me Guinness, saying, keep it up, keep it up. He said, you should be on stage. You should be on stage with those guys, because it's perfect for the music, this kind of stuff. So we became friends, and I went to the Irish session a couple times, started playing spoons over there. So I became a spoons player. That's how I started all this music stuff. And for six months or more, I didn't do anything but play the spoons. And I started playing my banjo a little bit, my guitar mm-hmm. a little bit. This is sort of your sort Got, of breaking back into the music. Yeah, I and I was asked to be in a band, and mm-hmm. the next thing I know, I'm leading the band. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Because I never would have really believed if somebody had told me this this journey mm-hmm. from playing the spoons to running, uh, having three bands now. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have believed them. Right, I right. I thought they were right. full of hogwash. Things start starts. My life's been that way. I just sort of decide to do something and I do it. And yeah, yeah. You care and you put the time in, and then people will say, how, "How can you? How can you coach a baseball team of college baseball players? Yeah, all all stars. Right. Every single one of them. Right. You know, an All American right. or in some Division One, Division Two, Division Three All Americans. Right. How, how can you do that? You yeah. Know, yeah. How do you coach? And so how do you? What? How do you? How do I was you a quick on? study. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I knew a little bit about baseball. Right. And I had played one year of minor league baseball, uh-huh. so I, I knew a little bit about the game. But I have I have the ability, I guess, to uh, absorb mm-hmm. from other people, mm-hmm. hearing other people talk or being around other people, mm-hmm. and and reading, I read a lot. Well, I think it's something to also yeah. maybe to do with your spirit, though, because you, in addition to that, you. First of all, you decide you want to, and then you, I think as a, not just with baseball, I think with anything, if someone steps forward as a guy that's going to coordinate and call the shots and help do the unpleasant, nitty-gritty of... Somebody's willing to get, organizing their, the, get their hands dirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, then they're that's like, always oh, been thank me. you, dude, hey, please do that. Yeah. I, I have 39 first cousins. All on my mo- all on my mom's side of the family. Is that an Irish thing? Is that and I have none on my I have none on my dad's side. I don't have a single first cousin on my dad's side of the family. Wow. But my thirty nine cousins, most of them are still near Windsor, Ontario, between London and Windsor. Uh-huh. London's about a forty five minute to an hour ride. From, all right. All from, right. Where I, where I grew up. Is there a large Irish community in yeah. Windsor? Yeah. The, the, well, there's. There's a lot of Irish everywhere you go, or people that they're you know, everywhere. You know, they're everywhere. <laughs> but, but but what happened was that I uh, I suggested we have a reunion in 2000. Uh-huh. 2000. Uh-huh. All of my other cousins, they live right there. It's going the reunion is going to be in that area. Yeah. I'm living down in Georgia. Uh-huh. Guess who organizes the re- the reunion? Yeah. yeah. Who did all the hard work? It's your nature. You can't. Who did all the damn hard work? Who put you the can't. mailing list together? Yeah. Who organized? And I had some cousins mm-hmm. help. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 one got the park, one, right. you know, and they, you know, I had some people helping, but mm-hmm. I was the one who really got stuck with doing. So right. how many reunions have we had since then? None. None. Why? Because none of my other none 39 again. cousins will do it. Right, right. You know, and it's crazy, you know. <laughs> and, and, but it's it's a progression, too, because they all have such big families now. There might not be room enough for 39 first cousins to get together with their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I'm one of those people that I prefer other someone else organize that stuff. <laughs> well, I, so, I had a fun I had fun doing it, but uh-huh. it was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I had to virtually take off weeks to do it. Uh-huh. Sure you did. Sure you did. That's a, it's 
especially with 39 first cousins. That means that and we're all like brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's yeah. just an incredible group of people. Yeah, that, is a, you know, we feel very blessed to have my cousin. We all, we all, all honestly, we, I grew up where every weekend the family got together. Uh-huh. And we would pass the instrument around. Yeah, it was amazing. We'd sing songs together. Uh-huh. We'd go up and whether I went to one cousin's house or another cousin's mm-hmm. house, or we all got together at a park and just had a barbecue or something. We, we, we're always doing something with our family. Uh-huh. Amazing. And, and I really miss that. I miss it a lot. My last uh, aunt just died recently, so mm-hmm. all of our aunts and uncles have died, and it's uh, like a real void, you know, because wow. you you know you carry them in your heart, and you miss them every day. Yeah, they don't they don't uh, necessarily gone forever, but they uh, memories alive. So um, your project right now is trying to get this radio show off the ground. Right, I'm just uh, going to be setting up an Indiegogo account to raise the initial money uh-huh. and make it easier for people to make contributions because of the systems already in place. Right, right. So that we'll utilize that and start basically publicizing that we're, we're doing this. And, and uh, we think that uh, there'll be a large group of people interested in being a part of it. And certainly, I've talked to the Chamber of Commerce, I've talked to Visit Athens, Georgia, uh, the Convention of Visitors Bureau. I've talked with uh, people that uh, Athens made incorporated in town here, about a coalition of business people. I am impressed. You I know, mean, how do you, do you just pick up the phone and call these people? I mean, like, pretty much. You, even if you have go knock on the door, a relationship with them, put a grab them, uh, pitch a tent, talk. pitch a tent in front of their place yeah. until I, until they walk out the door, then I can catch up with them and talk to them. So have you got the response has been <coughs> pretty positive, or, you know? Oh yeah, we've uh, to, flagpole is going to be jumping on board uh, yeah. uh, and working with us in, in one fashion or another. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked to the founder. The founder's interested in helping us financially get this going, and uh, I'm going to approach quite a few people in town here. I mean, we brag about Athens as a music town, right? right. But we brag about it as a band town, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, there's been some successful bands here. But, you know, we, we have some good bands right now. Yeah. But the problem is that that, that era has basically passed. Well, I don't think... And, but I know what you're saying. And this is time for the singer-songwriter. Yeah, it's time. The singer-songwriter's time is It's the year of the singer-songwriter. It really is. But I think it's awesome. There are, like, great bands being produced from this town constantly. Oh, constantly. <laughs> Still, however... Uh, it is time. It's great to, for someone to shine a light on the singers. Well, the singers, songwriters have community. never gotten their due. Yeah, exactly. You know, Vic, Vic Chestnut made a name for himself in town here, and we have a few people like Mike Deacon that that you know make make a living writing songs. But there's a ton of other people here that never see the yeah. light of day. There's exactly stuff. for everyone you know about. There's a thousand others. There might be several hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the bottom line is, we're trying to give them their moment mm-hmm. and. Put it out there. Make the music available worldwide mm-hmm. through the web. Sure, sure. And and publicize it. And we think that it will mushroom. Mm-hmm. People will think of Athens, Georgia as a music town, but they're going to think of it as a song town. Mm-hmm. We need some songs, we go to Athens, Georgia. We go to the website. Let's see. 
we go. We click on the BMI ASCAP. We got access to the to the songwriters of Athens, also called the Athens Song Collective. Mm-hmm. We got access to that. Let's say we're male, female. Well, we want a male song over here. We'll. Okay, what do we want a male song about? Uh, let's uh, breakup song. Okay, well, from a breakup song. Okay, breakup song. Okay, you want a breakup song where they break up forever? You want a breakup song where they get back together? Okay, we want a breakup forever. Okay, we got breakup forever. Bing, 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 there it is. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen, Larry. It's going to it's going to be beautiful, Liam. It's going to happen because you're. I want to put a few hundred bucks in everybody's pocket every month. Ah, well, you can start right here and now. You know, and I'm, I'm like, it's, it's a reasonable goal. That's a reasonable <laughs> yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. I think if we get this rolling, we should be able to produce ten to twenty-five recorded songs every year that sell minimum five to ten thousand, maybe twenty-five thousand copies. Uh-huh. And if we get lucky, maybe a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. In Ireland, you can have a top song with five thousand copies sold. So you can make the charts. I see. I see. That's my goal. Mexico here is to make the Ireland charts. Make the Ireland charts. And that's in my things. Of, that's on my uh, bucket list. And then go over and have a little mini tour. Yeah. Spend a month. Beautiful. Pub to pub. So you want to write that song? I've written several already. Uh, I know, but uh, you want to you Irish song. achieve the hit. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm well, How frequently I, do, do you go back over to, to Ireland? Ireland? I haven't been there in two years. I'm going to be going sometime this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm negotiating right now for a place to stay and food to eat. Uh-huh. And places to play at, or how I could do it anywhere from a minimum two weeks to three weeks minimum, uh-huh. maybe a full month, mm-hmm. and just do it. Do it. And there's people there that like what we're doing here, mm-hmm. and have, I've got inquiries to bring the best of unknown Athens uh, to Ireland. Do you know there's a two Irish brothers that have, they got some notoriety. I forgot their name, but I followed them on YouTube for a while. From from Ireland or what? They, I'm pretty sure they live in Ireland, and they were there. I just was searching Irish folk well, Ed, songs Ed on. Ed Sheeran on is from Ireland, huh? Ed Sheeran is from Ireland. Ed Sheeran. I met him. Ed Sheeran. 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 Probably most popular singer out there now. Is it Ed Sheeran? I'm not very smart. I don't keep. I don't keep up. It. Who is that? <laughs> is he? Uh, is he? Yeah, Athens guy well, or is he you've heard of uh, people like uh, Damien Rice. Yeah, another Irish singer, very popular. The High Kings, uh, of course, the Chieftains. Chieftains. I mean, I don't know. I've heard of Chieftains. There's tons of talent in Ireland. I mean, that's what they do. They sing. Mm-hmm. But I've written some Irish songs that have a New World twist to them. They have a little American twist to them. American Canadian, you know, a little a broad, a broader, a broader reach. Or... Yeah. Well, you know. I, Again, I guess you have to dream, mm-hmm. but if you keep dreaming, you become what you think about. Right, right. If you, you, you act on your uh, dreams, then something... And you act like you're up. already there. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to your um, Reverb Nation earlier today. Really? Yes, and some of the... Uh, some of the songs and I've heard it open mic and I heard them in a you know on oh your, really on your reverb yeah and it, you know they're just like recorded and produced well and I'm like oh yeah I like that and I, I was I was I was humming one to myself <laughs> I was humming one of your songs which one you know it was like uh, it was a sentimental 
so many years ago. Yeah, so many years ago. You know how many? You know, I did that song on this Friday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they've got over two years worth of songs. You can still mm-hmm. go on the site and listen to the songs. Yeah, yeah. Even though the show's been off the air for two years. Mm-hmm. I believe two years. Maybe, maybe. Was it two years? See, they could. If they, if they played the, if they played that show as, as a rerun, they could, you know. Or just they're, they're doing it, but it's not easily available. It's not the same. Because okay. um, they were doing it through cable. University cable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, that song, so many years ago, yeah. has over 2,500 hits on oh. views. There's only one other song on the site that has more hits, and that was done by Six String Drag, uh-huh. a band. Uh-huh. But for singer-songwriters, it's got the highest That's number of views music. of yeah. all the singer-songwriters that have been on the show in the last of that period of time, two years. It was surprised the heck out of me. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, but yeah, people seem to like it. Well, I noticed you were you were on the list for open mic tonight, aren't you? Yes, yes. Are you gonna are you gonna hang around until? Uh, I just might do that until uh, I may have 940 to when you <laughs> nine four. I may have to run an errand or two, you know, <laughs> and uh, probably have to do a couple other things, but. Uh, I appreciate you doing this, Larry. Oh yeah, oh, you know. I appreciate you agreeing to uh, be talked to. I, I, um, I think we've gone over an hour, so I think I might have to. I've done two and three hour interviews sometimes because I don't down. know when to shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, you know, no, to be quite honest, I think. No, I don't know that we've done an hour yet. Did you see the red and black article they did about it? Best of Unknown Athens? Nah. Incredible nah. article. Yeah? Uh, this is some of the baseball stuff. Athens yeah. Magazine. That's my baseball thing. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Who's, who's running this show now with the baseball team? I retired from that. Yeah. Southern Distinction. This is also another article on the baseball team. Southern Distinction Magazine. Pretty cool. Ten years apart from the article he just did on the Best of Unknown Athens. Uh-huh. This was done ten years ago. Okay. But that's when I was up to my ears in baseball. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and it's more baseball stuff. Uh, yeah. We got we were covered by all the all the media. Uh, and, and in fact, we ran a summer camp. Hundreds and hundreds of kids in Athens went to our baseball summer camp. Awesome. The, the players, Cheapest camp in town. Players, players were the counselors. The, perfect. Uh, they loved perfect. it. This is awesome. AthensMusic.net. We used to have Athens bands uh-huh. or singer-songwriters come out and sing at the ball game. Shit. Yeah. All right. I mean, make sure I'm watching my meters. Give me. Wait. Say that again. You had singer-songwriters well, sing at the baseball at game. At the baseball game. <laughs> uh, we would uh, before and after the game. We would have a band play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, I didn't know what the hell I was doing then about the bands, but uh-huh. these are these are some of the ball players that have played for us in their baseball cards uh-huh. when they became professionals. These are the original contract they signed with us, and and all of these guys have played in the major leagues. Wow! All these guys went on to do more bigger things. Went on to play in major league baseball. Amazing! They all played Amazing. on the Athens Pirates. Ah. Did they uh, give you a piece of the action? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> this was our league, Southern Collegiate Baseball League, yeah, out of Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina. These are just some of the teams that we played every year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, just uh, to give you an idea of, uh, you know, 
down, man. What we got going? I need to get. What I need to do is have another podcast where uh, guys that know about baseball talking like a. You know who's a real baseball nut in this town? Greg Benson and Greg uh, William Tonks are both baseball lovers and music art guys. So maybe a, who else? The biggest one I know who yeah. was a sponsor of our team. Yeah, it's Mike Mills from REM. Oh, really? Ah, okay. Yeah. Mike right. helped us every year. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, also, uh, Mike Deco helped us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Awesome. I've known Mike for thirty years. Trying to think of who else that, uh, that she would know in the baseball. Uh, Levi Lowry. Who? Levi Lowry is a baseball nut. Yeah. One of George's best songwriters. Very talented guy. There's a lot I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot. Baseball is my passion. Yeah. But so is music. So, yeah. so is film. Well, it's like a so writing. thing. That's the one thing I guess I sort of miss. Like, I, I got into yoga later on, but I, I used to, as a kid, I was in the judo and martial arts but really? I don't have a you know I'm not as well rounded that's as really good for your brain health oh yeah I think it is oh, I just yeah. saw a little interview with Willie Nelson and he advocates for martial arts you know I didn't know that yeah he loves it yeah and pot <laughs> he, he advocates for all those things but apparently I might be the only musician in Athens Who's never taken drugs? No. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> I've Don't never me, even smoked that funny stuff. Yeah. I'm an asthmatic. No. I was so damn scared to take anything because I couldn't breathe. No. Yeah, Not that I was this super virtuous sure, sure. guy. I just didn't want to go to the yeah. emergency room. No, I understand. So I, understand. I mean, I wanted to. Um, I don't. I was never asthmatic, but I tried to smoke cigarettes. I really. Uh, I think I wanted it to work, you know, because I thought it looked pretty cool. cool but I couldn't do it. It, was, it made you know. Really, I couldn't get through a, a whole cigarette. And, you know, I'd buy a pack well, and I, try. I tell people, okay, hold your breath. Uh-huh. Hold your breath. Don't breathe. Are you okay to do that right now? Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to talk to you for about the next 30 or 40 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm going to let you take a two-second inhalation Uh and then blow it all out again. And that's what every asthma is like. It's constantly holding your breath, Uh for God's sake. Uh, One good thing about the singing, it's Mm -hmm. really helped my asthma. Right, okay. Not that I don't still have problems, mm. especially I've got triad asthma, which is all three kinds of asthma. Oh. I have premature lungs. Well, you might as well go all the way. I have allergic-based uh, asthma, and then uh-huh. I have uh, exercise asthma. Uh-huh. So I run the tri- trifecta there. But yeah, it's, but I, I do have much better b- breathing t- uh, when I'm singing. As long as I'm not moving around a lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm in one place singing, I'm okay, but I still have moments that I'm gulping for air, but I don't think people notice that when I'm performing, but it happens. Wow. Yeah. Or I'll, we'll have an improv instrumental. Uh-huh. As I catch my breath, I'll look over to the guitar player and mm-hmm. tell him to take off because I can't breathe, you know? Oh, jeez. So, you know? so when you have a spell like that, what, what happens? You have to... You forcibly cannot worry. Well, I carry one of these with me all the time. Okay. And also I have a nebulizer in the car. Okay. So if I... Need you know, the so, nebulizer is a tremendous machine that, like hospital treatment, you know, allows you to to breathe in the stuff that clears your lungs out, and helps okay. you to, to get. But what your is? I mean, what is 
like you said, you you can't breathe in. Is that like really what? Well, happens, there's several different kinds of <clears throat> asthma. Where one you can't breathe in, and you can't you, you, in, and you can get it out. Mm-hmm. Another is just the reverse. You can't you can get it in, but you can't get it out, or you can't you can't get it out, but you can get it in. And it's oh. it's crazy, but and I really should know the exact particulars about that. Mm-hmm. But there, but there's definitely times when I can't breathe in very well. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to bother me breathing out. I just have no air. And then reverse, where I have trouble, you know, the, the reverse of that would be, you know, not, not able to uh, to breathe it out. I can get it in, but I can't get it out. Okay. okay it's great. So it's it's no fun. No, it doesn't sound fun at all. I don't wish it on anybody. So. But it runs in my family. I do geneo- genealogy crap, one of my hobbies. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, a ge- yeah. I'm an amateur genetic genealogist. Have you um, swabbed your cheek and that. sent in a... I've done that three different times for yeah. three companies. Yeah. I have found cousins in Ireland, uh-huh. second and third cousins that I didn't know I had. Uh, that's I've, how come you know how many I've, you have? I've visited <laughs> with them. You know, no, no these, are, these are second and third cousins, not first uh-huh. cousins. These are okay. people still living in Ireland. Yeah. Okay, okay. Incredible. Wow. But yeah, I've done the swab thing. And I helped a lot of other people do their family trees. Got maybe as many as a dozen people that have asked me to help them, and so I've done their tree. Amazing. As much as I can find out about it. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. I found some real interesting things. You know, this is real personal. History is personal. Oh, yeah. When you start finding out you have a connection to history, mm-hmm. it blows your mind. Like, I did not know my Canadian family, who'd been in Canada since the late 1700s, yeah. originally were in New York. Ah. And they came over, they were Dutch. Uh-huh, okay. And uh, part of so my family, I, way back. Dutch yeah. line. And, yeah. and, and coincidentally, I went to live in Albany, New York for graduate school. Albany was New Netherlands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize I had really deep family roots there. In right, fact, right. Tunis Dolson, one of my ancestors, uh-huh. was the first child born in the state of New York, first European child born in the state of New York after it was ceded by the Dutch without a bullet fired uh-huh. to the English. They gave yeah, yeah. it to the English. Wasn't it a, like a sale? Or a... No, they gave it to the English. Uh, uh-huh. And the English let's change the name to New York. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amazing. But it's crazy. I, I lived there for four years and never realized that I had s- such deep roots to that uh-huh. area. Are you going to stop for... Uh, Peter Wyckoff. Pieter Wyckoff. Uh-huh. In the 1640s, uh-huh. built a home in New York. In Brooklyn, B-R-E-U-K-E-L-E-N. That's the Dutch spelling of Brooklyn. Okay. B-R-E-U-K-E-L-E-N, Brooklyn. And the home is still standing today. It's the oldest home in the state of New York. Really? It was my ninth great-grandfather's home. What what uh, what neighborhood is it? It's called the Wyckoff House. It's in it's in. Oh God! What's it? Oh, Flatlands or? or uh, um, it's flat, in Brooklyn. Flatbush. Flatbush. I think, uh, but it's it's in Brooklyn. It's now a museum. Amazing. It's incredible. But I, f- I found out that also my my ninth or tenth great grandmother was a woman whose last maiden name was Fairfax. Okay. Uh-huh. Fairfax. Ever heard of Fairfax, Virginia? 
Yes, Fairfax. I have. Lord Fairfax ah. owned two-thirds of the state of Virginia, which included Western, West Virginia at the time. Ah. He hired a guy in the 1740s to survey his land, and the surveyor's name was George. And the surveyor George. fell in love with part of the land uh-huh. that now is, you know, George Washington's home place. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. But my family owned two-thirds of the state of Virginia. Oh. And when they lost the war, they went home. Oh. <laughs> they, they owned Belvoir or Belvoir or... Um, it's an old mansion that's still standing. Belvoir, I think it's her Belvoir. But anyway, I found out that she, her second marriage, she married a guy named Lawrence Washington, mm-hmm. ah. who was George's brother. George's brother, half brother. Awesome. Through genealogy. Yeah, you don't you don't uh, think of the, that that all being like a, a real world and a real life. Oh man, think it's of crazy. It as a cartoon. Or I have a, a second book, cousin. Ten generations removed by the name of Isaac Newton. Ah. Ten generations removed, ah. which means his mother, I'm sorry, his father and my ninth or tenth or eleventh great-grandmother, ah. his eleventh, were brother and sister. Ah. Wow. But you find this stuff out by taking Way DNA tests. Uh-huh. You see, it's crazy. It is crazy. It really is. That yeah, is crazy. <clears throat> I have... Uh, Four percent Sephardic Jew. Uh-huh. Those are the shepherds of Spain. Beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, that's. And you wouldn't know if you didn't. Two percent Native American. Ah. Now that happened. I have a third cousin mm-hmm. whose name is Water Daughter. Mm-hmm. She's a Pueblo Indian. She traces her family to the Portuguese who came over and basically the Spanish and the Portuguese were trying to settle the new world uh-huh. at the same time from South America up to, you know, California. And apparently one of these conquistadors or the, uh-huh. you know, we, we have a common ancestor there. I've traced it back for to my relative Jean Tiro, who was a 16th to 17th century Frenchman who changed his name because he was the illegitimate son of Ferdinand I. Ferdinand I and Isabella funded Columbus's journeys to the New World. Right. But that was, Ferdinand was a great... That's amazing. So you've got another uh, book to write. It's crazy. It's just crazy. No, no, it makes me really... I've always loved history. (laughs) But I love it more now. Yeah, Because I, I have proof positive that I have... DNA in common with a lot of people. But but then again, you know, if you go 10 generations, you've got a thousand grandparents. A thousand, 10 generations. Knowing about it is significant because it gets your mind going. Yeah, it's like... It makes you more curious with feeling up just a little bit of a connection to... to I love watching those programs like uh, uh, Finding Your Roots uh, on public television with... uh, What's the guy's name? Uh, Doctor. Uh, I'm going blank, but you know, you know, it's a great show. Uh, Week- I have, I have weekly a show. In a while, yeah. It's all about they, they profile a famous person and show them their ancestry. Ah. And it's like and they that. focus in on one part of the tree, and it's really fascinating. Awesome. How they, you know, 
un, they, they turn up all these mysteries. Everybody's got mysteries and secrets. And we're all mixed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at even in England, uh, mm-hmm. what, what is the, uh, the man in line to be... Uh, King, which he probably never did, Charles mm-hmm. will probably never be king. He's seventy years old. Right, right. He's half Greek, right, half right, Greek, exactly. half English. Exactly. So that you're mm-hmm. always playing mix it, mix it up. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wrap this talk up. Well, it's been fun. Liam, it's enjoyed been it. great. Thank enjoyed you it. so much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. <laughs> and we'll we'll do it for talking so damn much. No, no, that's that's but, the point. That's the idea. <laughs> well, God, now you know everything there is to know. I know.